What's up, world? My name is Chris Davis, and right now, you're listening to the Transition Podcast. The objective of this podcast is to shed light on those individuals who use sports as a medium to trampoline themselves where they are today. More specifically, as the name suggests, we'll be discussing in great detail their transition from sports to the business side of athletics, corporate America, and or entrepreneurial avenues. So stick around for some insight on what it's like when athletes decide to walk away from the game and transition into the real world. All right, the second episode is underway. Today we have very special guests, and I got to make sure I get your credentials right because you have some very impressive credentials. So today we have Brandy, uh, Brandy AG, right? I asked you, you, like, how do you pronounce AG? AG. (laughs) So Brandy is a fellow Detroiter. She's also a fellow Cast Tech graduate. She's from the West Side slash downtown area of Detroit. She was at McDonald's All-American in 2012, uh, runner-up for Miss Basketball in Michigan in the same year. She then decided to take her talents to the Big Ten and play her collegiate career at Michigan State University, where she eventually graduated with degrees in both sociology and communications. After graduating, Brandy went on to play professionally in Switzerland and Sweden before the COVID-19 pandemic forced her to kind of start her transition uh, a little earlier than she wanted to. So Brandy, I know I just gave you a quick intro uh, of your athletic background, but in your own words, tell us, the audience, uh, a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Yeah, first and foremost, I would like to just thank you, Chris, for allowing me to be on your podcast. Appreciate it. <laughs> you too, <soon>. um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, I came from downtown Detroit, Midtown area. Uh, literally, I can walk to Castec if I could. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a single parent home. I mean, my dad was around, you know, my younger days. And then, like, as I got older, uh, my mom was a single parent. And uh, she raised us right, you know, kept us focused on doing the right thing and everything like that. Uh, But basketball was something that I really enjoyed. And it kept me out of trouble and things of that nature. So, yeah. (laughs) And then after that, you know, all the the things I accomplished with it helped me a lot with – you know, getting full scholarships and things that things, which I didn't want my mom to have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was one thing that basketball did for me. I saw because I'm the youngest in the family. I got two older brothers and an older sister. So I knew that how it was for them, you know, after high school. And uh, my brother went to community college and um, he had to pay for that. And then my sister, she went to university actually. And um, I saw how she you know, she made a way, you know, she graduated with her degree as well, but I didn't want that for my mom, you know, and having to struggle all that. So uh, basketball definitely paved the way for me to uh, be able to, you know, get my degree and everything like that and have those experiences for sure. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree completely with you. Um, Basketball has allowed me to do the same thing, see the world, get a free education, meet a bunch of different people. So Mm -hmm. uh, I know exactly what you mean. But why did you choose to go to Cass over, you know, some of the other well-known Michigan programs specifically related to sports? Because I know Cass is kind of academically focused, but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, the football team has won a bunch of state championships and the basketball team is getting there. But what made <laughs> you decide to choose Cass over a place like Country Day or something like that? You know, speaking of Country Day, that was actually one of the schools I wanted to go to. Um, but because me being from downtown, it was just hard for me to uh, commute out over to Country Day. So it made a lot of sense, you know, at Cass Tech, you know, it has great academics. Uh, and then the women's, I mean, we, basketball is still, you know, on the up and up over there. But um, I just knew that it was a program that I wanted to be a part of. And uh, the academics was very huge for me because I wanted to learn and grow uh, academically for that. But yeah, um, originally, which is crazy because uh, my brothers all went to DSA and my sister went to DSA as well, oh, wow. which is a performing arts school. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, they went to those and it was kind of like destined for me to actually go there. Right. But because of me playing sports, uh, I decided to find a school that had that at that uh, high school. So uh, Cass was one of the ones that I was uh, that just made a lot more sense for my life and uh, for my goals and the things that I want to do. So, yeah, I get that. Was Cass your first choice, like out of the schools that are kind of downtown? Well, I guess there's only really two that have, you know, a good sports program is Cass and King. So right, yeah. your first choice, <laughs> uh, it should have been, but I mean, obviously it was, <laughs> but back then when you were thinking about it, was it your, you know, like the, the front runner? Um, I would say it was between either Cass or King. Um, I knew a lot more people going to, cause like the middle school I went to was around the same area. So I knew a lot of uh, people that were going to either Cass or King. I don't know. I just feel like I fit a little bit more in Cass Tech, you know, mm-hmm. it just feel like the right spot for me, you know? So, yeah. and I actually, before I even went to Cass Tech or even got accepted into the school, I actually like tried out with the team. Uh, Cause they had like a little summer thing, uh, like workout or something like that. And I actually went out there uh, for like a week, trained with them. And then I was like, okay, I can go here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it was after that. I was just like, I just ended up choosing Cass. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually the complete opposite for me. Like Cass was my second choice. I wanted to go when I when I took the test. I had Renaissance first because it was closer. It was closer to where my dad lived at the time too. So I had Renaissance first. Cass was second, and I just put King just you know because you kind of had to. Um, Oh, (laughs) I I got accepted into Cass and King and not Renaissance. So. I guess, oh. like you said, it was just a sign. It was just meant to be mm-hmm. to go to Cass. And when I got accepted to Cass, you would have thought I got accepted to Harvard the way my mom hugged me <laughs> when, I, when she got home from work. So that just goes to show you how big of a deal it is to go to Cass Tech. Yeah, it so, is a huge thing. Yeah. Once you got to Cass, um, you obviously had a phenomenal basketball career. You averaged 25 and 12, which is really, really hard to do while you were there. And because you you were putting up crazy numbers, you you got in a McDonald's All-American nomination and you you ended up coming in second. Uh, do you remember who beat you for Miss, uh, Miss Basketball? Yes, I do. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> you have to say her name, but I just wanted to ask like, if you remember who won. Yeah, I did. So, I'm not gonna say names. But, I mean, everybody should know. They go into history books. They will know. But yeah, yeah, I, I figured I would. <laughs> no hard feelings though. She, I don't. If she knows, yeah. So, yeah. with the kind of numbers you put up and the kind of you know attention you were grabbing, 
uh, a lot of schools are obviously calling you to to recruit you and to bring you to their programs to better their programs. So describe kind of like what was your recruitment process like and how did you ultimately decide which which university to attend? You know what? Like, I would say it was very overwhelming for me. Um, it was something I never experienced before. Uh, obviously, being the first in my family to play sports. So I never knew anyone besides, well, I don't know if you remember Jarvis. We spoke about him before, but uh, yeah. he's my mentor, my brother, my family. Uh, mm-hmm. And besides him, I didn't know anyone else, you know, that was like around my age that were going through the same thing, you know. Uh, that I knew personally, but it was very overwhelming, but it's also a blessing, you know, to actually be recruited at such a high level. Um, So the way that like, for me, just uh, let's just say like, I was very shy, very introverted. So it was kind of hard for me to like, when coaches would call and all those other things, it was kind of hard for me to like, kind of open up a little bit. But I mean, as I got older, obviously you mature, you learn how to communicate and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, ultimately it all boiled down from like, uh, my family was a huge, huge thing for me. I wanted to be close to family. I wanted uh, my family to be able to come to my games and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just a homebody type person. Um, so that yeah. was very important for me. And then also going to a program where I knew I could grow it, you know, like, I didn't care much so of like, I know a lot of players say like, oh, I want to go to a team and kind of, you know, make that team better or not make that team better, but like go to like a team that's not as successful, you know, but I kind of wanted to go to a team that was super like successful in a sense that way I can kind of pick their minds and see like how they became that way. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah, that was like a huge thing for me as well. and then just the feeling that I had when I went out to those, uh, to Michigan State, I just feel like it was just the right place, you know? Oh, and also a huge thing was like for family, cause I have a brother out in Virginia. Uh, mm-hmm. And I knew like, it was no way he's gonna be able to come to any of my games like that. And because Big Ten has that exposure of, you know, being on ESPN too. And then they also had it on yeah. channel. Yeah. He was gonna be able to yeah. right, watch my games, right? So yeah. uh, that was a huge thing too for me. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, once again, I'm kind of on the <laughs> the opposite uh, end of the spectrum of you. I, I wanted to go not as far as as I could from Michigan, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to get out the state. Like I had uh, Eastern was recruiting me, Central Michigan was recruiting me, but I really wanted to get out of Michigan. I always wanted to go away for school, but I didn't want to go so far to where my parents couldn't get to me like in the car kind of like you said like Mm -hmm. your brother was in Virginia it's kind of steep for him to come from Virginia to Michigan but so yeah I understand you wanted to be at home near your family I'm a big family person too I love being around uh my family members so I get that um (laughs) so let's kind of go forward a little bit to your freshman year and five Mm -hmm. games into the season when I was reading I was like wow I I don't know what I would have thought or felt if this happened to me my freshman year, five games in and you tear your ACL. And like, I'm pretty sure everybody knows if you play sports or not, tearing your ACL is one of the worst injuries uh, an athlete can have. And it's hard mm-hmm. to, to recover from. Most players are, aren't really the same afterwards. 
and you tore both of yours um, <laughs> during your career at MSU. So just kind of talk about your state of mind during uh, your recovery and the process of coming back from like such a hard injury twice. Right. I mean, it was very, very, how can I, I can't even really describe, you know, it's because like I, all right. So I previously had surgery on my ankle because I had a bone spur, not a bone spur. I'm sorry. That was my later on injury. Uh, But I had a, uh, so I had surgery on my ankle before that, before I turned my first ACL Mm. and uh, I knew I wasn't ready to come back on the court. But because I was just so excited, you know, it's my freshman year. I'm like, I want my family to come out here and see me. So I was just like super excited. And I kind of pushed myself a little bit too hard to the point that uh, ultimately I end up tearing my ACL, right? So I learned from that for sure <laughs> uh, that you can't push your body too, too quickly. You know what I mean? You got to listen to your body. You got to listen to the people around you too. I know that uh, my, it was a lot of people that really wanted me to be out there, but ultimately, um, you just have to listen to your 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 body and just understand like when it's time you're gonna you're gonna be ready to get out there and play right yeah um, and I learned that even with my second one like I learned that uh you just gotta listen to your body I didn't force it I didn't um try to you know I, I wanted to be out on the court but I understood like look this is my second go around in surgery so I'm not about to like you know force anything on my body and um but yeah, I, a lot, like during that time though, I will be honest, I was, you know, depressed. And you go through that depression stage, you go through that, uh, where that why stage, like why is this happening to me, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, what helped me a lot was my faith and uh, really believing that, you know, I was going to be okay, right? I had like a, I had that phase of like, you know, I was sulking and I was, you know, depressed, mad and everything, but then I had a- Of course, it's normal. A, yeah, I had that next step. That next stage was like, look, I got this. Like, I'm gonna overcome this. Like, I'm gonna be positive. Like, I'm gonna have a great attitude. Like, I'm not about to be the person where it's like, dang, you turn ACL and then it's like, that's it. No, I want it to be a difference. And I saw that too. And I think like God kind of helped me get through that because He knew that I could be an example for someone else that was going through the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I can get through it two times, just imagine how many people I can give hope to on that, you know? And I saw it and I took it at that. Now that I I actually like kind of soak it in and actually understand it a lot more and understand it wasn't about me and me going through that injury. It was just about me overcoming that and being a person of hope for those that are going through ACLs and everything, because you're going to come through, you're going to get better. Like, I mean, injuries suck, but at the end of the day, you just got to, just believe you got to have a good positive attitude around it what helped me a lot was um, my faith and uh, I grew a lot closer to God and um, that helped me a lot through that so but I don't know what it would be but just have a positive attitude ultimately and um, be surrounded by people that really you know really are supportive of you I was surrounded by teammates my family uh, my coach even like they always reached out to me and made sure that I was going to be someone that was going to overcome this and come back and still, you know, be able to, you know, make a name for myself on the university and on the team and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, that, that helped me a lot though. So. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to ask you who, you, who did you have around you at the time uh, to kind of help you get through 
something like that. Cause I know it's not easy. Luckily for me, knock on wood, uh, I've only had two high ankle sprains in college where I was in a boot for like maybe two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. those were the two worst injuries I had so far. Like I said, knock on wood. Um, I can't but even those those. are. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, even it was bad. Like, I'm not gonna hold you up. Yeah. It was bad. Like I'm walking around in the boot. Like my ankle was the size of like my head. So yeah, <laughs> but I know it can't compare to tearing your ACL. So yeah, I'm glad you said you had people around you uh, to kind of help you stay positive and you know work through it. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. glad you touched on that too. And worth mentioning, I think you actually did bounce back. Like you said, you didn't want to be that girl who tore ACL and, you know, kind of just faded away. Uh, mm-hmm. You actually received, uh, what was it? Your, your, was it your senior or your junior year? You had um, honorary mention for all Big Ten team. When was that? That was my senior year, yeah. Senior. My last year okay. playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were. Yeah, you just yeah. didn't, you didn't accept. <laughs> yeah, I tore my ACL twice, but you know, you, you made your way back and you got the attention of the people in the big 10 conference to recognize Mm -hmm. you. So, yeah. And it's crazy too. Like I knew a couple of players, like I knew like every time I stepped on the court, I was in like, kind of like an example to say like, God, like, I don't know. I feel like I was in that position to show like you can overcome, you can still be athletic. You can still be able to um, overcome those injuries. Like, yeah, I had two knee surgeries. Yeah. I may have to stretch an hour, two hours before a game. Yes. I got to do that. <laughs> extra right. But, I hey, do that now yeah. without the surgery, without the AC <laughs> exactly, repair. Right? I do it now. <laughs> so yeah. Even then, you know, even then, but Hey, I'm going to still step on that court and put my all out there. And you're still going to see like, oh, she had two ACLs. Like you can't even tell, you know. So and I knew I wanted to be that example for uh, the next generation up because I even know like some high school players that, you know, tear their ACLs and they're like devastated. But it's like that's not the end of the road. You just got it. That's just one bump in the road. Yeah. Just got to overcome it and uh, push through, you know. And hey, you'll be fine. This might be a dumb question. But I don't know because I've never torn my ACL and I pray to God I don't. Uh, Mm -hmm. Could you notice the difference in your game or, you know, your athleticism? Did you lose a step or could you really could you tell that you were different after you tore your ACL the first or the second time? Did you notice anything glaring like I can't do this anymore or I can't do that anymore? Like, did you notice any significant differences or did you really make a full recovery you felt like the brandy before she tore ACL I actually felt that I actually was a better player to be honest um only gotta hear this this. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy right it sounds crazy but look it's because like when I was younger I was always that person that was like clumsy I mean I'm a long lanky player like I already knew that. So I was like very clumsy. I always used to fall on the floor, like all these other things. I just wasn't in control of my body. Right. Mm -hmm. So after these injuries, it really helped me focus on, look, don't be all over the place, be in control. um, And then you will not prevent yourself. Like you will, you will prevent yourself from not getting injury. Right. So Mm -hmm. every time, like it actually helped me become a better player. Like I, I didn't lose any steps. I was still a quick guard. Um, 
I could still shoot. My shot was still, nothing changed. It was just that me being more in control of uh, my body movements and um, not falling all over the floor anymore. And I was, you know, more in control. So, Mm. yeah, (laughs) it sounds crazy, but yeah, it actually helped me. (laughs) I know it's, it's, I obviously it varies by person, but uh, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to ask you that, like, did you feel any different or differently, I should say? after you played yeah. the CEO the first or the second time did you feel weird when you finally got back on the court but yeah you said you it made you a better player and uh I believe you I believe you yeah yeah, yeah. Um, okay so after you graduated um and you finished your career at MSU you ended up playing pro for a couple of years in Sweden and in Switzerland what was your professional experience like was it like what did you expect it to be a certain way did you have any first-hand knowledge from you know other people that played overseas or did you go into it not knowing what to expect like but what was that like for you um so I did you know reach out to players that were playing professionally um I had a lot of uh former teammates that actually after they finished college they went to play pro overseas and everyone has their own experience you know with it um and, you know, I kind of just wanted to have my own experience. I knew that after college, I wanted to play pro, uh, rather it be in a WNBA or overseas. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I did reach out, did my research and everything like that. But ultimately, I wanted to, you know, experience it myself. So, I mean, it wasn't, I would say my first year was definitely like an eye-opener for me, you know. And I was actually, we didn't start out the season very well, right? So, <laughs> Um, it was very hard for me. Well, it wasn't hard, but it was just like, I just didn't like, you know, all the losing and all the other things. Because, I mean, I came from a program that was used yeah, to winning, win. right? So, yeah, win, exactly, right? <laughs> so, um, but then they ended up, because it was a six-month contract. So, like, during, like, the mid, maybe, like, the fourth month was when they brought in uh, more, one more American and then also a girl from London. And that's when we started actually winning and getting some games going, but it was just too late. But I enjoyed that. Uh, my first year was very eye opener, but it, I enjoyed it. Every process, every everything that I went through, I enjoyed it. Uh, now my second year was I enjoyed the country, right? I enjoyed the people that I met, <laughs> but we did not win, not one. Yeah, game. I knew that was we, coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah, I had fun, but. but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, literally, we did not win not one game. Like the people, great people, great country, but it was just it was very discouraging. Like because we did we couldn't win in one game. Like and I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but I know like overseas, so they can have at least like two uh, high school girls on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this team that I went to in Switzerland, it was literally a team full of just all high school girls. So it was very hard for me to adjust to that because, I mean, I was being a coach and a player, you know, and not that I don't enjoy it. Uh, I mean, I enjoy coaching and helping mentor those girls, but mm-hmm. it was also like, I need someone to mentor me too, you know, I need to yeah, learn yeah. too, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I enjoyed it though overall, uh, but you know, everyone has their own experience with it, but. Yeah, <laughs> no two people that I talk to who play over here have have any <laughs> like similar story. Like it's everybody's story is different once um, they come and play over here. 
Uh, I mm-hmm. probably should have did what you did and did some kind of research about where I was going and what would it yeah. be like. But I kind of went in not knowing anything. And my first year was kind of, we were, we were winning on the court, but I was in like a small village with like 50,000 people. Um, nobody spoke English. My teammates really didn't speak English. I had a roommate. He was from Lithuania. He went to Dartmouth and he spoke English. So he was the only one that I could really talk to, but he was from Lithuania. So I couldn't really relate to him. So yeah, like you said, it's very different for everybody. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's kind of a good thing um, because nobody that I've talked to uh, from the men's or the women's side have anything close <laughs> to the same story of like their experience of how they how it went when they played over here but one of the things I did want to talk about with you uh especially I kind of noticed it more this year or kind of in 2020 or the end of 2020 and this year because of uh how some leagues and organizations reacted to uh the pandemic some women's leagues weren't even deemed professional like for example, the, the women's first league in French, in France, the first league in France for women was considered unprofessional. Like they, they're not considered pros. And wow. isn't that crazy? Like the first. Yeah, that league, is crazy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like so how? When, the, yeah. when the pandemic kind of started, I wasn't here. But since I've been here, we've had a lockdown and they were debating whether or not to let some leagues play and some leagues you know, stop. And the criteria for that, you had to be considered professional. And the women's first league in France was not considered a professional league. So in your opinion, isn't that crazy? In your opinion, what do you think needs to happen in order for not just basketball, like women's sports in general, uh, professional and amateur to gain more like support, um, respect, notoriety Mm -hmm. in your opinion what needs to change in order for that to happen I just think that people just need to take women's sports a lot more seriously I mean I feel like we go through the same things we work out we we grind a whole lot I mean I've been playing basketball since I was in the second grade right and I put all the hours in I put all the work in so they just need to take it more seriously like this is not something that we do as I mean, we do it as fun, but it's also something that some women turn into a career, just like the same with guys. I mean, you guys work your butts off from younger ages and then your ultimate goal is to go pro. Right. So it's the same thing as the women's sports. But I think it's actually getting better, um, especially with like the platforms that we have now with social media and um, all these different you know things that shines light onto women's sports. And a lot of people are taking notice on it. But I mean, there's definitely going to be time. It's going to it's going to take time, I would say that, um, for things to change. But even, like, some of the NBA players are, like, supporting it as well, you know, and supporting yeah. women's sports and um, shining light on that to take us seriously, you know. Like, take women athletes seriously because it's not just basketball. It's, you know, soccer and uh, all those other sports, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully uh, it would change for sure. <laughs> Yeah, my sister, my little sister is a big fan of uh, women's soccer and the, the the women's national team in the U.S. Yeah, so I'm sure she'll appreciate that. But Brittany Griner said something like a few years ago that I thought was funny. I thought mm-hmm. it was funny, but it was 
it was wrong, but I understood why she said it. She said they were obviously talking about uh, the WNBA and the NBA and why the players' salaries in the WNBA aren't as high or they should be, they be it should be paid more. And she said, mm-hmm. you have mediocre players like Tyler Johnson. <laughs> do you know who that is? Do you know who Tyler Johnson is? I do not know who that is. <laughs> right. Okay, <laughs> so proving her point. She said, you yeah. have mediocre players like Tyler Johnson making $50 million a year. This was like four or five years ago, before all these crazy max contracts. So this is kind of before that, like before the, the TV deals popped and um, players mm-hmm. started getting crazy money. She said, you have mediocre players like Tyler Johnson making $50 million in the NBA and the best players in WNBA making a, making a fraction of that. Mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson at the time was playing for the Miami Heat. He's a lefty. Uh, I don't know what school he went to, but you don't know him. And he was making, at the time, he got a $50 million contract from the Miami Heat. And I got <laughs> what she was saying. <laughs> I understood what she was saying. Like, yeah, he he probably doesn't deserve that money because you don't know who he is. I don't even know where he's playing now. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was wrong for her to kind of single out Tyler Johnson. Like, it was his fault that he's yeah i mean it's not his fault that he got this contract but i understood her sentiment like Mm -hmm. you have guys who's not really bringing in you know any attention or any kind of fans or like yeah like making yeah like any type of media yeah yeah. before before they start giving these crazy contracts this is before that so when he mm-hmm. got that money, it was like, wow. I was even kind of shocked myself. I was like, wow, they really paid him $50 million? Like, for what? So, <laughs> Yeah. No, nah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask what, like, practically speaking, like, something that can actually be put into practice, what do you think, um, as far as women's sports, should happen or needs to happen um, in order for you know, the, the women players to receive higher salaries? What do you think should happen or needs to happen? I think, I think ultimately, in my opinion, you know, I don't know about anyone else. Yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, so in my opinion, I feel like a lot of money comes from, like, people supporting you, you know, coming to games. And even, like, right now, I feel like the NBA may not be making as much money because – you can't have any fans at the games, right? And yeah. I feel like that's a lot of promoting and a lot of money generated generating into that brand or the NBA or WNBA. So I think that we get a lot more people supporting the WNBA. They can be able to pay the players a lot more than what they're getting paid. So, yeah, yeah I just think it just comes from, like, supporting buying, you know, jerseys and uh, coming to games and streaming, whatever it takes to actually generate a lot more money for the company and that way they can pay those players uh what they're you know what they're meant to be paid and what they're worth paying so yeah i think you're right it's just just all boils down to support like people just supporting yeah i think i'm part of the problem but i can say with uh i'm the same way with the nba i only watch a game if certain players are playing like with the WNBA, (laughs) i only wanted to watch Carrie Pondexter. She was the only person I wanted to watch. I just, I liked mm-hmm. how she played. And she mm-hmm. was the only one I really wanted to watch. So I would only watch when she was playing. And I do the same thing with the NBA. When certain players are playing, I'll tune in. I really only watch the NBA when the player when the playoffs come because they don't play any defense. 
Um, True. <laughs> with women's I'm the sports, same way. <laughs> with women's yeah. sports, like women compete all the time. You can watch a WNBA game and they're playing hard no matter what. One of the, the things I enjoyed most when I was in college, I really used to like uh, going to the softball games because they mm. would play so hard and they would compete so hard and they had the chance yeah. you know the atmosphere of the game was just you you would have thought you were at the world series but it's just a regular <laughs> conference, conference game or so i appreciate how in women's sports like the way women compete they compete hard all the time you know it's some nights you know that's day, you can tell these guys are taking crazy. nights off like you can tell but with women they always mm-hmm. compete hard no, I and that was a huge thing for me, especially like with choosing the team that the the university that I want to go through go to was because of the support. You know, mm. I wanted to go to a school where we have fans that really believed in our program and really believed in um, the players and stuff. And I had that at Michigan State. Like, man, those fans are great, man. Like, I swear they support women's basketball to top tier, just like the men's. You know, mm. and uh yeah I think that was like something that was definitely something I wanted because I mean at Cass we didn't get as much support you know yeah uh but yeah uh going into college I knew that was something I definitely wanted so yeah yeah I I get that especially the cast thing too because yeah sometimes I would come Ooh, we were so disrespected like you know because it was a football yeah, man. Like, it, we were a football school, right? Like, everybody knows Castec as the football school. Literally, the guys used to practice on the basketball court. Oh, used to have my practice, God. And they say, like, I used they to, that to you guys too? they practice in the gym. Like, y'all have a, yeah. y'all have a whole, y'all have a game Ew. field and a practice field. <laughs> Go outside yeah. and practice. That's where you're going to play. Like, why are you practicing on the gym? Like, we used to have to go in the yeah. gym because the football team. Yeah. But, Hey, yeah. when you win, I did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> when you win, you get to do stuff like that. So hats true, off to true. them. Hats off to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's get into a little bit about your your actual transition. So with with COVID, um, like a lot of people, it kind of puts you in a position where you kind of had to do you had you had to make a decision. You didn't really have, you know, uh, too many choices. You just had to act. So mm-hmm. I know the COVID-19 pandemic kind of forced you to start uh, your transition from athletics into the real world a little earlier than you anticipated because you were just playing last year. Um, right. So it's not like you stopped and you've been working for four or five years. Like you really kind of, your transition is kind of new. So mm-hmm. uh, just kind of talk I'm, about- I mean, I'm still in that transition. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? you're still, you're <laughs> Still going through it now. So just kind of yeah. talk about uh, some of the steps you took during the process that led that kind of led you where you are today. Uh, so I would say that I wouldn't say that COVID kind of forced me into wanting to transition. Um, I think it was more so. I, I've always been thinking about you know hanging the shoes up, mm-hmm. uh, but I just didn't know when. You know what I mean? So. I think ultimately it just boiled down to, cause I was getting offers. I was getting offers and, and that, that was very rare, especially during the time that all these teams were getting hit with so much financial problems, all this other stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I was getting offers and I actually 
got a great offer to play in Poland and a division one league, but I just decided not to go. Right. And the reason I made that decision was because, okay, so we're going to fast go backwards a little bit. So I was going through it because I'm like, I always thought that I always identify myself as athlete. Right. And I always knew mm-hmm. that I wanted to play basketball and, I didn't know who I was outside of that, right? So me getting out of that comfort zone of, you know, playing basketball my whole entire life and then actually getting into the real world is very, very, very uncomfortable to me. And I went through, you know, some tough times and um, stuff that I don't want to talk about right now. But, but yeah, just just Mm -hmm. went through some times. and um, But ultimately, I'm doing fine now. But I'm still in that transitioning stage. But... Yeah, it was just like I just talked to a lot of people. I did a lot of praying. <laughs> uh, I definitely talked to like former um, players that I played with. Um, mm-hmm. One of my closest friends, Jasmine Hines, uh, she's actually she actually stopped playing last year. So she kind of already had like a year ahead of like, you know, the real world experience and all the other stuff. So I talked to her a lot about it. And like, how did she ultimately, you know, decide to stop playing basketball? And mm-hmm. uh, she gave me some great advice, actually. She was like, when you hang, like, when you decide to, like, to stop playing, you have to really, like, know and, like, be okay with it, right? Like, you can't regret yeah. anything or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to think on that, you know? And I don't have any regrets on, like, not stop playing. Like, I don't, I feel like I put everything out on the court. You know, my ultimate goal was to play pro, and I did that. Although I didn't play in the WNBA, but I still played professional basketball, which was a goal of mine. Yeah. So, and then I also talked to, I don't know if you remember Lauren Elliott, but uh, she yeah, played for Cavs Tech too. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. did. She, she's a little younger. <laughs> uh, she was two years younger than me, but I take advice from everyone. If I know someone that's actually in the real world, like I don't care if you're younger than me, but if you got a lot more wisdom and that's something I don't have wisdom in, then of course, I'm a, always, you know, take that advice. And uh, mm-hmm. she was just telling me, like, basically, <laughs> um, you got to think of what is your ultimate goal? Like, is this something that's going to benefit you? The decision that you make, is it going to benefit you in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I had to think about. Like, I'm like, okay, what am I trying to do with basketball, right? Like, am I trying to make it to the WNBA? Like, what is my ultimate goal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of boiled down to not take that offer to play in Poland and um, just to learn more. Oh, duh. And I'll talk to my sister, of course. She played a huge role in me transitioning because, man, literally, because she's been in the real world. Like, look, <laughs> I'm saying this because she really, like, helped me a lot because it was just, like, I literally didn't know anything about the real world. Like, I thought I did. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in the real world. Like, I'm doing this. But, like, in a sense, you're not. As an athlete, you're kind of living a dream. You know, you're yeah. living. Yeah, uh, Yeah, because, I mean, everything is really kind of handed out to you. You don't have to pay rent when you go overseas. Like, you don't have to really pay for food or anything like that. Like, you're yeah. literally living a dream, right? Yeah. Um, so she already had that experience. And, uh, yeah, so she already had that experience and everything like that. And she really, you know, ultimately showed me that my worth. Like, she was like, look, you have to literally look at yourself and see all the things that you have accomplished and um 
really, you know, write down your resume. And that's when I started writing down my resume and I really getting that together and really seeing all the things that I do have, the skills that I do have. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, it was definitely, and that's how I just decided not to just uh, continue basketball because I knew like I already accomplished everything and I wanted to accomplish on the court. So now it was just time to just put it in God's hand and let him guide me through this, you know, next stage of my life. So the boat you were in this year is kind of what I was in, or I should say last year. Now it's 2021. I, or I guess, yeah, I was in the same boat you were in. I was, mm-hmm. once COVID hit, they sent us home early. I started thinking like, man, do I, do I really still want to do this? Like, do I, every time I come home, everybody looks older. Somebody's taller. You miss all the <laughs> birthdays. You miss Christmas, mm-hmm. and Thanksgiving and all the holidays and graduations. And I just got tired of that after a while. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I'm ready to be done with it. But one of the things I always told uh, my friends and my dad too, like I've always wanted to play in France, always. So once I got home and I made the decision like, okay, I'm done. I was looking for a job, looking for a job. And you know, the pandemic is <laughs> almost... <laughs> Virtually impossible. impossible to get a job where <laughs> you know this disease is just floating around everywhere so yeah my agent called me I told him the situation too like so uh, I think I'm done I think I'm done playing like I want to be here with the family it's just like uncertain times I'd rather be at home he says mm-hmm. no problem I understand I'm still going to do my job and work for you and if something comes up I'll let you know so the end of July Early August, he calls me like, "Yo, we got this offer in France. And I was like, man, it's crazy how the universe works sometimes. Because I've been trying to get to France since I've been playing. And they changed their rules a year ago that you can only have one American and one player from uh, one of the French colonies. So you really Mm -hmm. can only have one foreigner. And like, you know, like I know that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. So like you gotta like, really be a great player to <laughs> even get that. So, so I'm like, okay, this has which to you be are, a which sign. You are. <laughs> You're too sweet. Yeah. I'm like, this has to be a sign. Like I've always wanted to play in France. Mm-hmm. This this offer comes up. I'm like, okay, I'll take it, and we'll see how it goes from there. So I was in the same boat you were in, and you obviously decided to turn your offers down and stay there. And mm-hmm. I took mine and decided to come and play again. Just goes to did show you. Did you come right in here. like mid season? Like, did you come in mid season or did you come in like? So I missed beginning? all of preseason. Preseason started uh, August. Okay. Uh, don't make me lie to you. Preseason started, I think, August 12th. I was supposed to be there, but I didn't leave until September 6th. So I, I missed like all of preseason and all the conditioning. I wasn't playing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I missed all of that. And I kind of got here right when we started playing preseason games, like friendly games and all of that. So, okay. Yeah. So you started, yeah, kind of like in the middle. Cause like for me, like they were asking for me to come out there and they already begun the season. So it was kind of, and they weren't successful. Right. So I didn't want to, I already knew how Uh, that was. Yeah. Yeah, So I already had that. I would have said no too. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And I'm like, and I already knew that feeling and I I knew I was happy. I was, I was flourishing, you know, I'm like, look, man, I'm doing good out here in the real world. Like I'm trying, I'm doing all this stuff. And I just knew like me going into that situation would not help me 
in no possible way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm you know, yeah, yeah, okay. That makes more sense now that now that you yeah. kind of gave a little bit more detail. Um, mm-hmm. So, like when we first talked, we spoke on the forum on the phone before uh, today's interview. Uh, you mentioned that you were very spiritual. So yes, just kind of talk about uh, the role your spirituality played uh, during your transition, because it's such an uncertain and uneasy time. Like you don't really know. Athletes love routine. Like we know we have weight mm-hmm. this time. We got practice at this time. The game is at this time. I got this amount of time to sleep. I can do this. So we, we are kind of creatures of habit, but mm-hmm. all of that stopped and you were, you know, your life was kind of up in the air. You obviously said you, you're, you're very spiritual. So what kind of role did that play for you during your transition right. and still during your transition? Right. So, yeah, you explained it perfectly, right? Because, like, as athletes, we are so used to routine. We're so used to that next, knowing the next, you know? And it's, for me, you know, going from high school, I knew I was going to go and play basketball in college. Then after college, I knew I was going to go play pro, right? Yeah. So I always yeah. knew the next step. But then going into the real world, it's like, holy crap, I don't know the next step, right? Right? And it's really not up to us to know this next step. It's really up to us to just just make the most of what you have, you know, and what you, the opportunity that you have now, today. And and then that's what I'm learning now is I can't worry about the future and I can't always know what's going to be next, but I can always have faith and really believe that what's going to be next is going to be something great and good. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still working on that. And, (laughs) you know, and it's not always easy, you know, because the things that you see are in the circumstances that you are in sometimes can discourage you. Right. And, um, so like, yeah, it's, it's, you just got to have a positive attitude around that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, me just finding, finding that, that balance to understand and, um, really just trust God and just trust that the future is really ultimately not for us to know the how to It's really up to us to just focus on today, mm-hmm. be the best person that you can be today, uh, learn, grow, and just keep it pushing, keep moving forward, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really all you can do. You just gotta yeah. do what you can, because I think uh, it's human nature to kind of want to control Mm-hmm. Destiny, mm-hmm. you kind of control the things that you do when really you really don't know. Like you, you, you don't. You <laughs> it's like crazy. No right? idea. Like you, you really yeah. have no idea. And yeah, that's one of the things I think is really hard for athletes to deal with after they decide to stop playing because we knew everything. We knew, like you said, we knew our schedule. The next step. We knew everything. We knew mm-hmm. when the next game is, when the next practice is, when the next weight room session is. We knew our schedule weeks in advance, so we never had to mm-hmm. figure out uh, what am I going to do in two weeks or in a month or in six months because we knew so right that's uh, a very good point that you said and it's good that you were able to lean on your spirituality and your faith to kind of guide mm-hmm. you through such uh <laughs> an uneasy time and I'm pretty sure you still kind of feel it's uneasy because you're still going through it and exactly. I'm glad that you are one of the people that I'm talking to that's kind of still doing it and not you know, kind of gone through it. And then now you, you're, you're kind of comfortable and you, you figured it out already. Like you're still in the process of going through it and you don't really exactly. know how it's going to end. So 
I'm glad we were able to talk about uh, your process so far. Um, now that we've got the hard stuff out of the way, uh, my favorite <laughs> part of the, the interview, fast money slash this or that. So um, mm, exciting. <laughs> uh, it's 10 questions. Uh, I don't want you to think. I just want you to, to pick um, of the two or to answer um, when you hear it. And then I'll pick a couple to kind of come back to once you answer. Okay. So okay. You ready? All right. So, uh, Doughboys Cash Out or Team Eastside? Doughboys. Coney Island or Bucharest? Bucharest. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. From wow. The look, look, wow. Look, I didn't even get the next question out. Wow. That's, <laughs> wow. that's terrible, right? Look, look. Okay. <laughs> All right. Teach his own. Teach his own. Okay. So, <laughs> we when we first... Um, talk you said you like to sew so yeah i'm guessing you're into fashion and clothing so what's your favorite clothing brand uh speaking it into existence i would say my own but uh, plug your brand (laughs) but this is the time to do it right right (laughs) time to do it plug your brand but no i just really support a lot of brands i don't really have a specific like favorite brand i just support like brands that are into slow fashion recycled material sustainability all those things so okay. any of those brands that support that i'm really into it so no that's pretty cool that's cool yeah okay. uh who's your favorite basketball player of all time uh jordan and lebron oh you so gotta pick one it. no you no no no, no. <laughs> i don't want to pick one no <laughs> you have this. to pick one you can't say two your favorite <laughs> is one not your favorite oh, your favorite I thought you said, I thought you put an S on it. No, <laughs> your favorite, if you had to pick between Jordan and LeBron, who, who would you pick? Uh, I would go with Jordan. Okay. I'll just go with Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, would you say you're a fan of capitalism? Conscious capitalism. Okay. So we'll definitely come back to that one. Okay. <laughs> um, if the concept of the movie Purge or The Purge, was real what crime would you commit i will be the person hiding <laughs> really i will not commit yeah. anything dude i will be the person in hiding you'll somewhere. be in the house sheltered <laughs> up no i feel you because you really don't know uh no nah, like i can't even think of that like i, I don't know <laughs> okay okay so another thing that you mentioned uh, when we kind of talked before the interview is that you like to read a lot or you were getting into reading a lot so uh up until today what was your favorite book uh, that you've read so far I don't like I like books about like self-help and self-growth mm-hmm. also love a lot of books about fashion um business things of those natures just things that I can learn from and grow from and feed my mind with good things so yeah mm-hmm. and I, I for occasion I like romantic books too so okay okay yeah the diversity okay I got you <laughs> uh, who gives you the best advice I would say my sister, my mother, and Jarvis. Okay, you can't pick three <laughs> people like just like the favorite scene. You have to pick one out of those three. All right. Who gives you the best advice? I would say my sister. The sister. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just like too. Is she she's older, right? Yeah, we're fifteen months apart. Yeah. So yeah, we're twins like, basically. Yeah, yeah y'all are. <laughs> Our yeah, look just like yeah. what's your favorite movie it used to be any of like the marvel movies like i used to watch those all the time okay and then uh yeah so any of those marvel movies i used to watch them literally every day okay so i'm not being question. difficult <laughs> last question um 
Name a goal of yours that you have to accomplish in the next five years. Uh, just being a, my goal is to get my brand up and going, um, being successful at that. So, yeah. Okay. We'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. Mm -hmm. So the first one I wanted to come back to was asking you if you were a fan of capitalism and you said you were a fan of conscious capitalism. I've never heard that one before. So kind of explain to me what you mean. All right. So, all right. So I believe in making money the right way. Right. Like I don't believe in just like using things just to make money. Right. So like, that's how my brand is. Like my brand is all about like quality over quantity. Right. So I believe in selling people things that will last them a long time rather than just selling them just something just to make a quick book. Like I'm not into that. And I knew from the start, even when I wanted to start my brand was, I knew that it was something I didn't want to just make money from because I mean, those things never really last really. And I want something that's going to last for a long time. And uh, that's going to help, help people. Right. It's going to help solve a problem and not create one. Right. And I know like fashion definitely is something that with fast fashion now and trends, all these other things are something that's really affecting the world in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And we don't see it now, but in the future, it can definitely affect us. Right. So I'm on that line of being someone that's going to uh, help the world in a way, you know, so. Okay, so you, you, you basically, you agree with the idea of capitalism, but you want, right. you kind of want to make sure that it's, like you said, it's, it's quality over mm -hmm. just trying to capitalize on something and just make money. If I exactly understand you right, okay, okay. No, that's correct. Yep, that's okay. correct. And then the second one I wanted to come back to, uh, you said you wanted to kind of ramp up your brand. Now, when you say your brand, what do you mean? Your clothing brand, or just yeah, Randy so... the person, or what? Explain to me what you mean. <laughs> well, all of the above, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, nah, but seriously, uh, uh, yeah. So, like my clothing line, that's what I was speaking of. Um, so yeah, just having that up and going. I know I've been literally been thinking about this since 2018, right? So it's really just been something I've really been holding off for a while, um, but now I really want to actually get it started. So hopefully in five years, it'll be something that's already um, being started and being successful and um, doing good things, so. Okay, and not to put yeah. you on the spot, but kind of put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, you obviously said you like to sew and you, you're into fashion and so. Within the next five years, what steps do you plan on taking to ramp up your brand? Because you obviously have the ideas, you know what you want to do, but mm -hmm. what do you plan on, you know, implementing and executing for your brand to kind of take off? Um, just really getting it out there, um, using the platform. I mean, I am on social media, but it's more of like kind of like what I do so. Um, what I have made, but it's not necessarily like creating a collection to be sellable to people, right? It's just stuff that I just come off the top of my head and I just create it. But I want to actually have like collections that can actually be sold to people and, um, you know, uh, actually be a business rather than just a hobby, you know, turning my hobby into an actual business. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, I can respect that. I can respect that. Yeah. Um, so tell everybody who's listening, uh, where can they mm -hmm. follow you or how can they keep up with you? Uh, so I am on Instagram. Uh, my personal page is Brandy. So it's B-R-A-N-N-D-A-I-S 10. 
And then I'm also on Facebook, just my name, Brandy, B-R-A-N-D-A-I-S-A-G-E-E. And then I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my name is A-G-E-E underscore 10. And the uh, Instagram that I have for the things that I have sewn is called Love Force 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually under my personal page, like in my bio. So you can just click on it uh, and follow me on there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of episode two. And Brandy, I want to thank you. You had a phenomenal athletic career. Um, thank you. Say the least. <laughs> say the least. You're a very smart woman. I'm pretty sure you're going to do whatever it is that you want to accomplish probably sooner than you think. So thank uh, you for that. (laughs) Just want to thank you for talking to me and sharing your experience of your transition with me um, here today. And is there anything else you want to say uh, before we get up out of here? No, I just want to say thank you for having me um, and letting me be a part of uh, your podcast and Uh, you know, picking my mind a little bit. So I appreciate it. Of course, have to. (laughs) But yeah, thank you again. And yeah, that's a wrap for episode two.